All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. Uh, Noah, right off the bat, I realized recently that I've been mispronouncing the name that I came up with. Not announcing it, for one, like not properly emphasizing, but also putting the in front of it when the D is supposed to serve as the V. So the show is D Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. You almost did it again there. I almost did. Uh, Today, our topic is the Cubs. And really, uh, I get a level with our audience here. We recorded this episode last week, and I was very unhappy with it, and I refused to post it. Um, because I thought that we needed to do a better setup of kind of where we come from as Cub fans. Because I felt like at least I came off as uh, maybe a little less than null, um, and certainly less than passionate. And uh, I don't think I would describe myself as um, Hey, if you didn't like my performance, you can just say that too. You don't have to just... Keep it to yourself. If I wasn't good in the last pod, you can say that. That's okay. Uh, I thought you were fun. Quite right. honestly. I don't know. Maybe. My energy was definitely lower um, than the Bears episodes, which is true. It actually makes a lot of sense. Like, if I'm looking at everything. So, we'll kind of get into why uh, that is as we go through. I wanted to just kind of talk through some of this. So, I was talking to Noah uh, just uh, on that of all the teams, I would probably consider myself the biggest uh, Cubs fan that I would probably go Cubs, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, Fire, no, Sky, (laughs) Fire, uh, are the Bruisers still around? Oh, the Chicago Dogs. Dogs, yeah, I know you like the Dogs. Chicago Dogs. Uh, the, the, the Bandits or whatever, are they still around? But whatever, and then maybe the White Sox. Um, oh, I forgot the Sting. I got to put the Sting in front of the White Sox, too. Uh, any any other uh, default, or <laughs> defunct, excuse me, um, Chicago franchise, and then the White Sox. Uh, what would your rankings be? In terms of, like, and I'm, I'm just talking about, like, kind of how big of a fan I consider myself to be of each thing. Yeah, yeah, so I'm Bears are number one, and I feel like that's pretty constant in the city that this is sort of a, a Chicago Bears town yeah. first. I would say Bulls are number two for me. Then I'd say it's sort of a drop off, not like a, okay. a huge drop off, but those are the two where I've, especially growing up, those were like my my biggest passions when I was you know little. Um, and then I'd say Cubs, then Blackhawks. Um, and then it's a drop off than any of the other sports you want to name by by a yeah. ton. Okay. Well. And so, uh, for you, you know, it's so Noah is uh, as I've mentioned on a previous show. Uh, Noah is my nephew. Um, he's my sister's kid. Um, and it's interesting because Noah's dad and grandfather on his dad's side, his dad's dad, uh, are both big. Um, Bulls, Bears, Sox fans. Um, so I wonder if that's part of it is that you went to so many uh, games with your family. I know you've been to a lot of Cubs games um, as well from just from kind of you know, more or less living in the neighborhood. Um, but 
do you think that's part of it? It's just the going to all the, you know, having tickets to bowls all the time. So it's a few things. It's, you know, I grew up going to camp, so you missed a lot of the, the baseball. Um, when I started to get into my main sort of sports years, I got, yeah, I'd say like, you know, 10 to, you know, post, I'd say 10 years old, the Cubs were just terrible. So that didn't help obviously. And that's sort of when, the Bears had a couple good seasons there. I think they made an NFC Championship game in 11. The Bulls made an Eastern Conference Finals in 11. Um, and so that just sort of lined up with when I was starting to t- really, really take off and start to understand a little bit more and more um, just sports generally. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I, I know there's Cubs fans that, like, passionately root against the White Sox and vice versa. Um, given that I grew up like you said, with my dad and grandfather as both White Sox fans, I was never one of those people. I always, you know, root, do root for the Sox, especially when it has no conflict with the Cubs. Um, and so I definitely think that that had somewhat to do with it. But I will say that as I've gotten older and sort of living in Wrigleyville has become sort of a, a bigger part of my life and has sort of consumed more and more of my summers. It started to, they've started to move up the power rankings for sure. And them, you know, getting better has also helped. Now, do your, do your dad and grandpa uh, or grandfather, uh, do they blame me for your Cubs fandom? Because I think that's always been the joke, but do they actually blame me? Uh, my dad definitely does. Yeah. That's, that's, not, <laughs> I don't think he jokes about that. Yeah. He'll always murmur under his breath, uh, Uncle Dan, Uncle Dan. Um, so he definitely blames you. Um, my grandfather, I don't, I don't know because, because I root for both teams. It's like my grandfather, I don't even think he cares. And I think he grew up also sort of in that same mindset where it's like, he, he's definitely a bigger white Sox fan. He had season tickets for a while. My dad had season tickets, but he grew up sort of rooting for both Chicago baseball teams. It wasn't like, and I don't know if it's the same for you, where you passionately are one of the Cubs fans with that passionate root against the white Sox. But I never really understood where, especially considering that they're in different leagues i never understood where that rivalry really came from uh, i think yeah i think that i was definitely uh one of still it's not even like i don't really hate the white Sox, but i certainly don't root for them. um and it i think it was just how it was like on the playground as a kid it was like cubs rule socks drool um or vice versa, depending on which side of it you were on. And, and really, I didn't know a single person that that liked liked both. Uh, everyone that I knew that that was like a baseball fan was a fan of one or the other or neither. Um, you know, the kids that had moved from other places or whatever. Uh, but that that's just how it was. And I'm kind of surprised. I feel like that's how your dad was, too. And, you know, we're obviously more or less the same uh same time frame um different parts of chicago uh i've always gotten the sense that it's i always thought it was more on that side where it's like white Sox fans really anti-cubs fans and they're seen like sort of the little brother in the the city whereas the cubs fans it's like i don't like we've always been dominant yeah there's a little there certainly is a little bit of that it play too. I think it's kind of like that, uh, you know, Mets fans hate the, hate the Yankees and like Yankees fans don't even think about the Mets kind of thing. Except um, we hadn't won a championship in 108 years. Right. <laughs> it's a, right. It's a, right. It's, I'm not saying it's as justified because obviously yeah. there's a huge differential in the, in the success of those two franchises where, you know, and though quite honestly though, I will say 
the White Sox really got lucky that the Cubs existed because if not for the Cubs, the White Sox would have been the Cubs. I mean, their their drought was longer than the Red Sox was, uh, even you know at the time. Like their their last title had been uh, eighty eight years from 05. So twenty that math. Right, eighty-eight years, and what was the the Red Sox drought was less than that. It was like eighty. Right, oh, uh, freaking shouldn't have brought this up because I don't have it in front of me. But I'm pretty sure that the 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 Sox last World Series was like nineteen. If it was eighty-eight, what would that have made? It was two thousand five. So that would have been nineteen seventeen. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, because yeah. eighteen was the Black Sox. No, wait, nineteen was the Black Sox, right? So eighteen was their last title, I think. Um, in the Red. I think we're like 21 or something like that, right? Well, that one I don't the know. point is that like the the White Sox kind of radar because they were in the same town with the Cubs in terms of being a loser franchise. Um so it they got kind of lucky in that in that regard. And certainly I was uh there's been a few times in my life when I had Chicago. Um and when the one of those times was when the Sox won it in 2005. I was I was uh, living in California, and when that happened, I'm like, well, now I can never move back to Chicago because I won't be able to live with the Sox fans. Because it used to be like, oh yeah, you can make fun of us for never winning, but you never win too. So right. like, it's not really any better. Like neither of us have come close to seeing our team win like there this is all 50 years so i wonder in like a post 2016 world if it that sort of hatred on both sides has has sort of gone away a little bit just because if i I can't see that where it's like both teams it's been you know multiple multiple decades where they hadn't won a, a world series once one team does it you can sort of i can see animosity growing on the other side and now that both teams have done it it's like what's there to really well, we'll, yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's probably true, but I think for me, um, in a, kind of a similar vein, my ardor for the Cubs come in completely changed after 2016 because, look, I really and truly thought that they would never win a World Series in my lifetime, that I would never see them win a World Series. And even when they were starting to get good in uh, 2015, that it was like, well, fuck, are they going to win one? Because they could be like Cleveland uh, in the late 90s where they're like in contention every year and they can't like break through and they never win. Like that happens in baseball. It, baseball is the one sport that, that um, being the best team the Dodgers of, as, for a decade straight, minus like a right. bubble run, where they're they're winning a hundred games and they can never do it. So yeah, right. they, yeah, it's it's just like for the most part in basketball, if you this team, you're gonna win. Uh, in football, it's the same thing. Obviously, you can kind of get there's some things you can get lucky since it's only one game, but generally speaking, almost always in those sports, the best team wins with with a few exceptions. And if, like I said, if you're the best team for a period of multiple years, you're, you're gonna win one. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. win one. Uh, baseball is not like that. Baseball requires a lot of luck. I mean, Atlanta won all of those division titles in a row and they were clearly an elite team 
in the 90s and they barely scraped together one title like they got lucky to you know to even win the one that they won it all requires luck there's so much randomness in baseball that you just don't know and i was like okay i know the cubs are set up to be good for a while uh but i don't that doesn't mean they're gonna win one so like when they actually did win in 2016 and it was early i just felt like this is all I ever wanted from this franchise. And now I've gotten it. Like, I don't really care if they win another one. Okay. So life. you were one of those people when you're like, you're, you know, quote unquote, praying to whatever you believe in. You're like, just give us this one. And I'll never ask for anything ever again. You actually meant that. Cause most of the time when I do that's complete bullshit. And I'm going to ask for I'm gonna, the next year. I'm going to be on my hands and knees saying the same thing, but you know, it's truly, it's sort of how you felt. Yes, I did. I did really, I really did not. I didn't baseball think baseball gods, like, whatever you want I, to call it. Yeah, I but I, like I really didn't think it was gonna happen. Like I I was convinced that like I, I there have been so many things that were crushing with this team, and so many people who followed the team that never saw them win in their lifetime that I really was like it's never going to happen. And so when it did happen, that was it. You're like you said, I was I was content. Like the Bill Simmons book, uh, now I can die in peace. Like that was really how I felt about my Cubs fandom. And I was thinking about the difference between you and I is I was thinking in the context of you were about the same when the Cubs won in 2016, you were about the same age that I was when the Bulls won their first title. Right. And you were looking at the Cubs thinking like, oh, this is the team, you know, they're going to be contenders for the next five years. We could, they could win another Two well, or thing three is, with, with some luck. As I didn't have the same sort of like my fandom as like I I wasn't living with the same sort of demons as a Cubs fan that most people were because, you know, I when I sort of really started to become a, a big fan of the team around whatever was 11, 12, 13, they just they sucked. I, but there was no like real heartbreak. I was young and sort of understanding what happened when they got swept by the Diamondbacks in 07 and, and by the Dodgers in 08. But I wasn't like a true passionate fan at that point. I didn't obviously live, you know, really. I wasn't comprehending sports when the Bartman thing happened. Like everything that I heard about the Cubs and how, how cursed they were, that wasn't anything I ever really like lived through or had to experience. So I never like I didn't think that I thought it was going to be, I never thought it was an impossibility. Let me just put it that way that they were going to win a world series. So I didn't have yeah. this sort of dark cloud hanging over the, them doing it, even though I definitely probably did, you know, lose a little bit of faith over the course of that series. But that's, that's just within the series itself. That didn't have anything to do with the, the history of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, I really started following sports. Um, in 1981, which was the year that, that my family moved. And the Cubs were the first team I followed. And for and it was really two things. One, I would come home from school and turn on Channel 9, which was WGN, uh, to watch like cartoons or like Facts of Life or whatever the hell was on in reruns. And there would be a Cubs game on. And so like I, there would just be this baby on instead of what I was trying to watch, you know, I, man and his amazing friends or the super friends um what all these different shows and the cubs were so i'll watch this and then it, it really the same time and i don't know where even which one came first i discovered the sports page which is really the only part of the newspaper that my parents didn't read 
And what I discovered was there were all these numbers in the sports page and I loved numbers. Every week they would pr- they would print like the league leaders uh, in the paper and be like a full page of like everybody who was qualified. You would see kind of all of it. And then just like looking at box scores and, and the Cubs stats and all of this stuff that I could just kind of dive into and all of these numbers. So baseball was the first one. So 81, 82, 83, and then comes 84. And they could, they were... The truth is, even if they had beaten the Padres, they probably would have lost to the Tigers. The Tigers were a juggernaut that year. That's uh, the, the 80- Black Cat one. That's the series, the Sandberg Black Cat series. Was there some bullshit Black Cat with that too? Yeah, I mean, they. So here, just to set the stage, they, the Cubs, uh, they, they make the playoffs for the first time since. It's a big picture that they had on that team. Sorry, Rick, I'm like- Rick Sutcliffe. So they acquired. Yeah. Rick Sutcliffe, like, uh, I don't know, maybe in, I think it might have been like June 1st. It was long before the trade deadline. Uh, and he goes 16 and one. And look, win loss record was like everything <laughs> back then. Like, he, he won the Cy Young. If you like look at obviously the advanced stats, he clearly does not deserve it, uh, did not deserve it that year. But it's hard to beat 16 and one uh, when the team wins the division and again makes the playoffs for the first time since 1945. Uh, in 39 and they're playing the Padres. They're pretty heavily favored in the first game at Wrigley 13 to nothing. Sutcliffe, the pitcher hits a home run in the game. And I don't remember the score of game two, but they win that one too. They lose game three. They blow game four. Uh, Lee Smith allows a home run to Steve Garvey. Um, I can't remember if that was to lose it or to tie it. Um, but I think it was I think it was straight up to lose it, but it might have just been a tie and then they lost it uh, later or next was I it's, you know my memory's not as sharp as it used to be. Uh, and then they lose game five because in part because Leon Durham pulls a bull a Bill Buckner before Bill Buckner. He lets a, ball, a ground ball roll through go through his legs. Sandberg also like blew a double play ball like on a ball that he really kind of should have gloved. Um, and it, it was just it was kind of a similar not quite as devastating as a Bartman thing, but kind of just a similar, they just kind of unraveled again, blew a two nothing lead, just like they did in 2003 where they blew a three, one lead, right? The same kind of thing where they're one win away and they have three games to do it and they lose all three. Was that three, one? What the Bartman year? Yeah. Yeah. They won three, one. And then they lost game five. I thought that was three, two for some reason. It was, but they, because they lost game five in Miami and no one cared because they're like that. Who cares about game five? We got prior going in game six and we have wood going in game seven. Like, Wait, hold on. Let's, let's a, a, a franchise that hadn't won a world series in 95 games in 95 not, years. Look, and no one was, was, I'm just, I'm just want to clarify that this yeah. was the mindset at the time. Cause that seems this insane is to me. This is not the way that I felt. Okay. Like I was like, okay. All thing is that you didn't realize that three to one perhaps was because he was like, man, ah. You know, they could, they came back from all they had to do was win one of the last two games at Wrigley, uh, and the series was over. But yeah, they blew a 3 1 lead. Um, so yeah, and then, so that was 84. Um, and you know, 89 when they, when they lost the Giants because Will Clark hit like 600 in the series, even though Mark Grace did uh, similar stuff. 
it wasn't as bad because they just were never like it wasn't a blown lead it wasn't the, it didn't have the same kind of feeling they just kind of just kind of lost and then 98 when they won the wild card and it was like yeah it was all just kind of felt a little fluky and lucky and it was all kind of sosa based um and then but 03 was devastating so in 2001 I, at this point i've probably been to somewhere between 50 and 100 cubs games i'd be surprised if it was quite 100 um but i've been going pretty regularly i didn't like my parents uh, my dad whatever uh weren't really sports fans i'd only gone to a couple of games uh i think they're I really they were, they're not they're no interest in sports whatsoever. no interest in sports at all yeah like literally i was like a complete anomaly in my family that i was a sports fan i just kind of found it on my own like i said my parents didn't read the sports page so i, I got to read that um and so I, I think i went to one game with my dad one cubs game with my dad that he took me to for my birthday one year um and then but I started going with like, you know, when I was a little older, started going with, you know, friends in high school and stuff. We would, we would make our way down the city uh, and go to games. And then in 95, I moved into the city and I was living right by Wrigley. And I started from like 95 through 2000. In that period, I went, I was probably going to five to 10 games, uh, eh, maybe even a little more every year um uh some years and then so 2001 rolls around and i was like i'm gonna try to go to half the cubs games this year wow and i was like uh not really making that much money right now that's gonna cost me a fortune <laughs> um i'm trying to do some like artistic stuff uh trying to do some filmmaking stuff so i decide oh maybe i can just get a job there and then get paid to watch the games and that's what I did. Uh, so I, 2001 was my first year, um, which is really uh, wasn't a great year like for the team, but it was an amazing Sosa year. You look up. What was that the McGuire Sosa back and forth year? No, that's 98. Okay. I think it was like 12 bucks by that point. And so you just show up to like the ticket office at Wrigley and. Yeah, it was already that. starting to get a little harder. It used to be, I think like the, I honestly think the first time I went to a Cubs game in the bleachers, like in the 80s, it was like $4 for a bleacher seat. And it might've even still been like eight or nine. I think, but I think it was 12 by 2001. Um, so they, they, they go, uh, they go 88 and 74, which, you know, by Cubs standards was a, is a pretty good year. Um in that stretch, you know, in my lifetime, that's probably, or like to that point in my, my lifetime, that's one of their better uh, seasons. But yeah, Sosa hits 64 homers and drives in 160 runs. Next close, I don't like, look, we can debate about RBIs or whatever. The next closest guy on the team has 66 RBIs. Sosa drove in himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... On the team, it's just the times that he hit home runs. I mean, and for a lot of the year, he was like, he was ahead. He had more homers than anyone else had RBIs. I was really rooting for that uh, to be a statistic that, that that lasted, but it didn't quite work out. Uh, by the way, he had 64 
the next closest guy had 17. <laughs> Two guys had 17. They weren't um, on the same uh, workout regimen as him. <laughs> they were not on the same regiment. And Matt Stairs uh, was one of the 17s, and I loved Matt Stairs. I'm pretty sure that was the only year he was with the Cubs, and it was maybe he played again the next year. I can't remember, but he was. I loved him. Were you at the uh, game where he was running around the outfield with the with the American flag? Were you working that game? So I was going to say, from 2001 to 2003, I was essentially at every single Cubs home game, and certainly every single meaningful home game except for that one because it was either Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. I don't remember. Yeah, that lines up, right? September, so. It was September, but it was also because they, they, they'd stopped playing for a couple of weeks, so it, like, was whatever. So I was not in, is Noah or anyone, anyone who knows me knows, I am not a religious person. Um, at the time, though, I was a little more into it just for like the sake of my parents and family and everything else and being with family. And I do like some of the traditions. I, I'm certainly the communal aspect of it. All. Yeah. But nowadays I would have been like, fuck, no, I'm not going to Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to this first Cubs game back after. nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did. I was not there for that game, but I was there for most every game that season. Uh, and that's true in uh, 2002. It's true in uh, 2003. In 2003, uh, I work every single um, playoff game. Uh, they beat the, the Braves. Um, they play the Marlins. They lose game one of the Marlins series, despite Sosa hit a, hitting a game-tying homer in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, they ended up losing that game. It was such a huge blow. You know, losing extra inning games at home are devastating. So I don't remember how many it went, but they had a couple of opportunities before the Marlins uh, finally won game one. They might have lost in 12, uh, something like that. Um, and uh, then um, worked game two, obviously, which. Uh, they won. Yeah, they won the next three games um, in the series, and then lost the final three games. Uh, and I worked those final two games. I'm convinced that they lost Game Six because I stopped paying attention because I had to go with some women complaining about these guys that were sitting next to them, and I lost my. It all fell apart. <laughs> All right, so it's and not Barman. It's you that needs no. to be run out of town. Okay, so, and that's the other thing. I do want to talk about, all right, so I'm at game six. Uh, for some reason, they stuck me over deck, and I was pissed because I was always in the lower deck, which meant, like, I would have been on the field uh, if they had won. So I was already a little mad. Like, why did they stick me up here? This is, like, bad juju. I'm never up here. Um, why did they put me up here for this game? Um, and they're up. Uh, three to nothing. Okay, they lost. By the way, they lost game uh, one in eleven, not twelve. Uh, so they're up three to nothing. Prior is sailing along. Right there is a. I don't remember who hit the foul ball anymore. Uh, somebody hits a foul ball, and Moises Alou goes to catch it, and some fans reach for it, and obviously everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And the nerdy guy sitting down is to play 
Yeah. Steve Bartman is the one who actually touches it, even though 10 other fans reach They're forward. grabbing at it, yeah. And, and I'm doing what any other fan would this have would, Right. And this would have been nothing of that. Oh, you think it's the reaction? Had Moises Alou Slam the not lost his fucking mind. Yeah. Like, in, I, in the all of the air and the attitude in the completely changed. Literally, uh, a an inning before, not even happening before, in the seventh inning stretch, it was Bernie Mac uh, uh, was doing it, who is a Chicagoan, uh, and he's doing it, and I'm helping him, like, walk up to and walk with him, and, like, everyone's like, We're actually, this is actually going to happen. Like, I, I started thinking, I'm like, could this actually happen? Like, there Jesus. Be World Series. Uh, and Moises Alou started losing his fucking mind like an asshole. He, I hated Moises Alou even before this. He was a piece of shit. I hated that guy. Uh, he lost his mind. And then Pryor starts losing his mind. He's like pointing and screaming on the mound. He completely, just completely, never come on a fucking dugout to calm down two year old ace. Who, by the way, he let throw like 130 pitches like 17 times in his last 18 starts. I mean, if yeah, you that was baseball pitch, back then. The, no, it was not. I was bitching about this then. I mean, yes, it was more common, but I was bitching about it then. They he annihilated both Wood and Pryor, ruined both of their careers. Uh, quite honestly, I know it's not a controversial thing to say, but like, go back and look at the pitch count numbers for Pryor in his last like 12 starts of the year. It's fucking insane. Okay, so everyone's going nuts. The double plays after, right? The double plays after, yeah. It, and like everyone blames uh, Alex Gonzalez. I'm, I'm pretty sure by the time that Alex Gonzalez was at least already tied. Um, but they completely fall apart and lose eight three. Uh, You're back I'm for game like, seven. I'm back for game seven now. Game seven, Terry Wood plays long ball. Yeah, well, so game seven, I'm assigned back in one of my more usual spots in the lower deck and pregame i'm in the marlins dugout well let me back up actually Um, they lose game six the same fans that were like oh it's okay we lost game five we'll we'll finish it off at home what's the mindset now i I was like there's no way they're winning this game it's over okay was that that the predominant that was me i'm like i i think it was pretty i think it was pretty I, I felt like even after wood hit the homer because i can't would hit the homer and they were up i, I still nothing, was I like think, right i still was like just waiting for the other shooter would hit the homer but then he couldn't he pitched terribly uh they were down three nothing and then they went up five three uh or i think did woods homer tie i think he, yeah that tied it at three right yeah, Woods Homer ties it at three. I th- oh, no. It was already tied at three, and then he hit it to put him up five, five three. three. Okay. But then he comes back in the in the fifth and allows three runs, and then allows another one in the sixth, and now they're, they're back down seven, five, and they end up losing nine, six. So Wood hits the home run to put him up five, three, and the place was going crazy. How but can you I, not be going crazy? It's game seven. You're up five three. Your pitcher just hit a homer. Yeah, well, because I was like, yeah, the other shoe's gonna drop. Like, I was trying to think of um, any team that had had a devastating loss like that in a game six that came back uh, and won a game seven. Because I was thinking, like, 
you know, the, the biggest one or like maybe the most similar thing was the Red Sox. Red Sox, down, uh, Carlton Fisk down the line. That's that's one. Yeah, that's one. Right. Because they did win that game. Right. That wasn't they, just a tie. That, that was, was a walk off right? homer in yeah. the 12th or something. Right. And then, they, and then lost they, they lost game seven. That was the only one I could think of was that they had won that game. But every other one was like the Mets uh, in the in the aforementioned Bill Buckner game. That was only a game six. They got they got routed uh, in game seven. I think even the the Don Denkinger thing was a game. That actually might have been a game seven. I couldn't think of any. Like I said, the people I could think of was the Red Sox, um, Cincy. But I don't think that that even that one that loss wasn't that devastating. It was an extra inning game that Carlton Fisk won. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like it was a blown game, right? They just lost it. It was a tough loss to be sure, but they hadn't blown it. They hadn't been like that close to advancing or winning the world series. And then it blown it. It was just like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. This wasn't Texas in 2011, David freeze. And then coming back the next game and win it and tried right. to win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I it, it was very difficult to kind of think of a situation where they had that devastating of a loss and then immediately came back uh, and won. Um, and so I just was like, "There's yesterday was the you know yesterday was the chance like there it, it ain't happening today." Um, and even on the wood homer, I was like, "No, I'm like this is great," but I like I couldn't believe at that point. Like I made the mistake for the first time in my life of believing ever so briefly. Like, oh my god, this might actually happen, and it was immediately ripped away. <laughs> It's funny because this is how I am with the Bears. Like, this is my relationship with the Bears and too many of the Bears games I've gone to, like going to the double doink game, going to the, the Rodgers to Cobb game. Like, this is how I feel as a Bear fan. I never really had this feeling as a Cubs fan. Yeah. Um. So then, like, so then I worked there. Then I, the next, uh, by the next baseball season, I'm living in California. Um. And between like oh three or like the that the NLCS game seven and maybe the twenty fifteen playoffs. I don't think I went to a single no, I went to a a small number of games. I know I went to one for a work thing, um to one with Ray and Yeah, I mean that's a house and, of horrors uh, daughter what the that's got to be like a house of horrors for you to re-enter. Well, just that was like I'd been to so many games. I mean, in three year stretch, I went to like two hundred. I worked, teams. so right. or somewhere around there. So it was like there was no. For first of all, it was just difficult for just like for me to go back to paying for games. That was like just a tough one, and it was like, and then I was like, well, I've already done everything in this park. I've had so many experiences in this park. Um, but then, uh, in, in 2015, I think I went to one home game in the, playoffs. I know you did. Cause I remember, I will not know about the playoffs, but I know you went to games in 2015. Yeah. Well, and I went in 2015, I was at the final game of the Mets sweep. Uh, and I think I went to one of the Cardinals home games and I went to one of the games in St. Louis too. You went to game uh, two in St. Louis. I know that for a fact that I did. 
that you went there. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. You remember which? Yeah. Uh, so I went to one of those games, yeah, game two in St. Louis, uh, which they won. Um, and I thought, I thought that I, maybe I didn't go to another one. Uh, but then, like I said, I went, went to game four. I went to the clincher of that series. Of St. Louis. Yeah. Of the St. Louis series. The Schwarber hit the bomb on the scoreboard. That game okay. I was at. That, that, to that point, that was like the greatest sporting event I had, I think I'd ever been to. Yes. And then um, 2016 uh, rolls around. Um, I, I honestly can't remember if I went to any of the Giants games. I think I did. But I can't. I honestly can't remember. I, I was trying to remember the other day. I actually asked my friend that I would go to games with. Um, if you re- if you remembered which games I went to, because I couldn't remember. Um, but then you and I, I knew. I- well, so I went to game two of that. I went to one in every round. So I went to game two of that giant series. Okay. Where and then we went. All right. Travis so, Wood hit the homer, and then we went to game one of that. Dodger we went to game, game one which together, on, which is on my birthday, turning sixteen years old. It was and- Saturday night, I think. And do you, do you want to tell the story of, of what game that was? Did you, did you already say it? No, no, I didn't. So that game um, was the Montero Grand Slam game, which is still, I think, for me, um, I'll, I won't spoil your best game, but for me, it's it's the greatest sports moment game I'd ever been to because it's game one of the, the NLCS in the top half of that inning. Uh, yeah, well, Chapman comes in. They got the bases loaded. Chapman comes in in the top of the eighth, uh, gets yeah. the first two outs, and then gives up a single to tie the game at three. Get to the bottom of that inning. It was a very, very strange long bottom of the inning. I remember. I remember they were like intentionally walking guys, whatever. Well, didn't what's his name? Uh, what was that pitcher that like took years to? Yeah, uh, bias. Pedro Baez. Baez, like that, yeah, that he was he pitched in that inning. Um, so yeah, they they had blown a three, lead and it was down a three one when Ethier Ethier hit a homer, yeah, to make it three one, I think. And then Chapman comes in, bases loaded, nobody out, gets the first two, gives up a single, ties the game at three. Yeah, so this is in the top of the eighth. So right. at this and point, this like yeah, I'm right. like the the building is totally deflated. Yeah. Um, you know, you're it's it's the same old same old Cubs, um, and then it gets to the bottom of the, uh, the bottom of the eighth, and I I honestly can't totally remember the setup that got to, but I know that someone was intentionally walked. I think it was Chris Coglin maybe intentionally walked in front of Montero. Blanton's pitching. Uh, Montero's down 0-1, and he throws Blanton throws Montero a perfect pitch. A perfect pitch right over the, the heart of the plate. He swings and misses. So now he's down 0-2. There's two outs in the inning. Uh, you know, they they just given up the lead in the top half of that inning. He throws yeah. him the same exact pitch. He crushes it to right field. And it's it's the great the, the, the building is shaking. They go up seven three. It's it's like the loudest, craziest sports moment that I had I've ever been a part of. It was utter mayhem in Rick. Yeah, and that was—I mean, honestly—I just like you talking about it gave me goosebumps again. Just remembering, and that was certainly one of the best moments that I've ever seen in person. That was like certain up there. It was you know similar to the the Sosa thing when he had tied it up uh, 
in the bottom of the ninth of game one of the NLCS in 2003. Um, very similar feelings for me. Maybe this was even a little better because it was like they had blown it. And now all of a sudden it was a near, it felt like it was like a nearly insurmountable lead at that point. And it's like, like a, not, not the same old Cubs, right? You blow right. the top half of that inning and you get it right back. It yeah. just, it was like, yeah. I mean, the place was, and I think Fowler. And then, like went, Fowler, and then Fowler, right. And then Fowler went deep again. I think like half the stadium knew that he went deep. I think everyone was still celebrating the Montero. No one even like realized that, that Fowler went deep to go back to back. But also that changed it for me, like that to me also, because now it's like, all right, well, even if they hit a grand slam in the bottom half, we're still up. Right. We're in the top yeah. of the ninth. I mean, we're still up. Like it just seemed like, all right, now they're definitely as much as like the Montero thing was amazing and gave us such a huge, a huge lift and likely uh, had put it away anyway. Even the Fowler thing, I was like, all right, I'll take it. Like this is. But that is also <laughs> just to me, like such like part of my fandom was growing up in Wrigleyville, like going, like I'd get a couple bucks, I'd walk over to the stadium. Yeah. Like it was, it was Wrigley Field at just as much as it was the Cubs. Like it was yeah. being in the neighborhood. And so like having that, like, I felt like that was like, like a Wrigley Field moment where like you weren't going to get that anywhere else. The nervousness of the crowd, yeah. like however, and then just everyone exploding with yeah. just pure mayhem. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. it's a moment perfectly built for Wrigley. Yeah, because you're right. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe they're gonna blow this game, and then all of a sudden they have this huge lead. Because uh, it definitely felt like if he does, oh, uh, if he doesn't hit that grand slam there, I do think they lose that game. Yeah, yeah, and they went. By the way, they went down two one in the series. The whole yeah. series is could be totally different had had he not hit that grand slam. Yeah, and then. So that was the only game I went to in that series. Although I would have gone to game seven had it been necessary. Um, but I was certainly thrilled that it wasn't necessary because I didn't want it to come down to a game that I was at. I wasn't like I was rooting <laughs> for them to lose so I could go to this game seven. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to make the mistake of, Oh, well, we're up three, <laughs> one. Um, so yeah, the, uh, uh, I, I w- was going to take that win uh, in game six, no matter what. Um, so then they go to the World Series and then to the same. Wait, did you go to, you only went to one game? Say that, that again? Time? And you only went to one game in the World Series? Yeah, I. so the only game I went to is the last game that they lost. What was that, game four? Yeah, we and we were both at that game, but separately. But then you came and sat in my seats for a while, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So we both go to game four where they go down three one. I think they, they they lost that game big. They went up early. I know I think like they had a base hit to start that drove in a run. Place is, is going pretty crazy, and then they just get uh, they get the blo- the doors blown off them. I think they lose that game seven to two. And we're like standing in the stadium. Um, I don't think we like had quite given up. But we're walking home. Every, like all the Indians fans are saying, Windians, Windians. I remember that so vividly. I think you told them, like, yeah, shut the fuck up to one of them <laughs> as we're walking home. Um, it was definitely a very, you know, dejecting and sort of just like it, it didn't quite have like a funeral feel to it. But, but we were down pretty, pretty bad after that game and, and walking home. But I don't think we were, at least I don't remember totally being like, this is over. Yeah, I mean, it was like, all right, well, maybe hopefully we can get them 
tomorrow and then who knows, right? I think one of the commentary was kind of like, well, if it's going to happen for the first time in 108 years, why not have it sort of happen this way? Right, which is the exact same thing I said when the Red Sox were down 3-0 to the Yankees in 2004. Right. That if they're ever going to do it, this is going to be the situation. And I want to bet on that, by the way, with a bartender at the re- at the restaurant that I also bartended at. What are the odds uh, on that bet? What's that? It was, uh, I won $50 on five. It was okay, 10 to one go. odds was terrible, though. I mean, yeah, quite yeah. honestly. So for but... something that's never happened in the history of baseball, <laughs> yeah, and they just lost the game before one. 19 to eight. Yeah, yeah, probably not the best odds. No. Uh, but it was only $5 if I made 50. Um, so, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, they lost that game 7-2. I'm Did you go to the eight. game the next day? No. Okay. No. The only the only Wrigley game I went to was was that one. Uh, the seven in. You know, game four is such a huge game. Yeah, no, that's that when they won that game and we could sort of get into that game. But once once they pulled that one out, that's when I started to feel like, all right. Oh, you no, know, you're talking about game five. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about yeah. game five. I'm just yes. saying that game, game fours are so huge because generally speaking, it's either like, all right, the series is tied. Here's after afterwards, the series is tied and it becomes a best of three or somebody's down three one. Right. And so like game fours are so pivotal in most every series. Well, and that's um, back when they were doing two, three, two. So that would have been losing the first, your first two home games too. And right. I, they, they hadn't won what well, they hadn't won a game at Wrigley since 45, right. In the world series. Yeah. yeah. Right. They, right. They, yeah, they lost the first one. Uh, one Oh, uh, was it only one, nothing the first game. Game the first game at Wrigley game. Yeah, three. that's what I'm saying. Was that yeah. only a one nothing game? Yeah, it was a one nothing game. Jesus. And by the way, after three games, they had been shut out twice uh, in the World Series. Um, right, game one they lost like six to nothing six or nothing. something. Yeah. It was and then six nothing, they won five one. When it's Arianna funny actually because in game three, I think the Cubs had a runner on third with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, down one to nothing. And I was watching yeah. on my TV. But in the back of my mind, I think Bias might have struck out to end the game. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, if he had done something, because I live you know, probably a mile away from the stadium, maybe a little less. I was like, if he had done something, I would have heard it. So I, I knew they lost the game before it was even on TV. <laughs> it's like, if he, if he had a walk up Bob or drove in the run, I'm going to hear that that happened before it actually happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then they do win game five. And uh, I have a friend who uh, an awesome we, game five by the way three two i think chapman comes in for eight outs right like that was an unreal game five yeah and so uh my friend um who i've gone to a lot of these games with uh he's got connections and he's got money um it says uh hey i'm going to cleveland for game six and obviously if it happens game seven do you want to come with and now i have at this point i have a uh three and a half year old it's a rhetorical and... question yeah it doesn't matter what your life setup is uh, hold on i have a three and a half year old and a three month old and i say to my wife uh you know i don't know i'm gonna drive all that way just to watch them lose you loser god <laughs> and she says but what if they don't? Smart woman. I was like, what? It's like, what if they win? Hey, I guess they could maybe win. 
So I went. So I go to game and realize that you married the right woman simultaneously. (laughs) Who I met uh, at Wrigley Field, by the way. Uh, So I um, go to game six. Game six is a blowout. Couldn't have been a better, like, like low stress situation. Yeah, they uh, drop a ball in right field. Russell hits the grand slam. They, they blew or I think it was six or seven nothing within like the third inning. Yeah, it was like it was so low stress. Uh, and then game seven uh, starts much in the same way. And look, game seven, there were a lot of Chicago fans there. I mean, I don't know how many, but it wouldn't surprise me if there it was a, at least five thousand. I guess five thousand probably would be about what I would guess. If you watch, like, I, I remember watching it after I got home, like, I, uh, on the TiVo. Um, it's loud when the Cubs do stuff. Well, wait, so I actually back up to, and I guess it's, you, we can talk about game seven too, but when you're, because I've never, I've never been in an opposing ballpark or even stadium for a sport with the stakes that high. What's, like, the atmosphere when you're cheering and, like, what, are you, is it dirty looks? Is it, like, what? I mean, it's not like you're going to Philadelphia or Boston, but what was sort of being an opposing fan in Cleveland like? Nothing. I never felt like, oh, are people going to jump me? For one, there was, like I said, there were enough Cubs fans, but I don't think it mattered. I think it was like, these Cleveland fans, they're in the same situation that we are. It's just all like, nerves. It's all nerves. Reference. It's all nerves. I mean, now, yeah, it's even maybe even at least it started a little more so for them because they've now blown you know, a three, one lead. Right. Uh, and um, so they're, they're feeling tight, but also what all I meant was, it's not like I'm a Yankees fan or even a Cardinals fan or Dodgers fan, like a team with like a history of success. I'm with, with the Red Sox having won. the Indians are the American league equivalent of the Cubs at this point. Right. And so I don't think anyone uh, was like, I, I don't remember anyone saying anything to me. And in fact, look, the you know that game was almost impossible to be at. Like I was gonna lose my fucking mind. Yeah, that's years. He, off. I mean, it's years off your life. For, for I mean, just watch the game. Obviously, it was years off your life. But to be there, I can't even. They're up five one. Got a nice, comfortable lead. Uh, if I remember right, Hendricks gets squeezed on a two strike pitch. Correct. Uh, uh, was it to Santana? I don't even remember who it was. Uh, and ends up walking the guy. And then uh, Joe Madden, who I felt like really tried his best to blow that game. Um, yanks him, but not only yanks him, uh, takes out the catcher too, takes out Contreras to put David Ross in. Yeah, that seemed like uh, at least well, it seemed like a premeditated decision, right? Where it's like here's the guy who they had the free agent me- meeting with in in 15 the summer of before fi- the 15 season. Uh the winter before the 15 season where he's they got the World Series track, he's lifting the trophy, it's Lester, he's your horse, he's he's the reliable guy. Like it seemed like they were going to put him in no matter what, right? Was sort of the the consensus behind that move. Yeah, but I mean, like literally, he had the guy struck out to end the inning. Oh, he was cruising. It, I mean, on the broadcast, gets, he, they were they were like surprised at how quick the leash was. Uh, yeah, because he'd no only allowed one. It. He'd allowed one run to that point. Right, which is like, why you kind of think it's premeditated. 
Right. And it looked better as like, I thought the, the, the previous two innings or that inning and the one before, like he looked great. I like that. He got yanked made no sense to me, but then he puts in a cold catcher. And yeah. Well, so also, I thought we played the results a little bit. I, I do remember now. I, I thought we played the results with this one too, because it was such a weird play where they scored two runs, like such a weird play. They're an hour away from pitch, right? So they they gets on with like an infield signal or whatever. Um, then there's right. I think it's either it's a wild pitch. Like Ross gets hit in the face. He's like yeah. semi concussed. It feels like and two runs come around to score. Like a guy right. from third and Kipnis comes around from second. So it was like the weirdest possible play that made it five to three at that point. And so, like, yeah. yes, you're like, why are you pulling Hendricks? He's dealing. But you can't get a weirder play than that. Like, Lester was rolling. It's an infield single that he gives up, with, like, the play before it. I, I thought we played the results a little bit with, with getting on Madden for that one. No, you don't put a cold catcher in. Think, like, it, it doesn't, like, who, it doesn't matter who. Catcher. If you get hit in the I face with a 95-mile-an-hour baseball, that, you're going to be a little. That whole fucking thing. Like, that was, I hated that whole goddamn thing when it was happening, it wasn't like I was like, oh, it's the results oriented. If the guy, if he's, if he's, if Kipnis doesn't reach on a 40 foot single, no one gives a shit. No, but the, you put no a one gives a shit. You can't tell me anyone gives a shit. Catch a pitch. Like, that's the whole thing. You don't do that. Like, how often have you seen a catcher go into a game in the middle of a fucking inning? How often have you seen a 39 year old catcher in the b- bottom half of that inning hit a home run? <laughs> Well, that part was good, but they could have used him as a pinch hitter elsewhere. Anyway, that was not... cold on right, the hold on, hold on. Okay. You're not going to talk me out of my righteous anger that I felt in that moment for that stupidity. You're not going to talk me out of it. So that was how I felt. I was fucking irate. I had to get up from my seat. And I was like walking around. I'm like, fuck. I should have five to three at this point. By the way. It's five to three at this point. Fuck. Like I take a walk around like the entire concourse. Come back. They I don't remember how they scored another run in the top of six. They're up six three. That's uh, Ross Homer. Oh, right. Ross Homer's in the top half, right. Off of Andrew Miller, by the way, who had been as dominant as yeah, any he, pitcher was, in that a long time. Now they're up 6-3. And uh, then in the bottom of the eighth, disaster all strikes. Hell, all hell breaks loose. In the form of uh, Aroldis Chapman pitching for like. Yeah, he's the thousandth inning and, in three days. Throwing, what did you say? Is a thousandth inning in three days. Yeah. Like literally throwing his, I don't know, 200th pitch of the last. Okay. Like, so Geyer, Geyer doubles in that run to make it six to four. What's the, the feeling? I think there's one or two outs at that point in the eighth inning. Um, The feeling is, fuck, come on. We got to, you got to be able to get this out. Like you got to get us out of here with the six, four lead. Like you got, come on. And, um, of course, we all know uh, what happened, although I've already forgotten. Roger uh, Davis? Right, Roger Davis, yeah. I'm not going to uh, forget that fucker's name. Hits the two, hits the two-run homer. Choked and up on the bat, I down the just, left field line. Yeah, I'm just losing it. Now, uh, the friend that I had gone there with had gotten um, two sets of two tickets, so there were four of us. Um, I I didn't really know either of the other guys that he invited uh, to come with. And so I'm sitting next to this guy who I like, I like, you know, I'd spent like the, a couple of days in a car with uh, and had spent some time like walking around Cleveland with. And I, so I liked this guy, but I didn't know it uh, going in. So I'm like kind of 
sitting next to someone that 48 hours before was a stranger. And then next to me is this guy who's there by himself, who isn't even like an Indians fan. He's just like, I'm a baseball fan. I just came like, cause there was like a game seven in town <sighs> and I'm, I'm like fucking losing my mind. And he says to me, he's like, what, you thought this was going to be fucking easy. You thought they were going to, they were going to win their first world series in 108 years. You thought it was going to be easy. No, this is how it had to be. Like it was going to be fucking hard. And I was like, fuck. he's like, seriously, the guy, gave me, the guy gave me the Jason Hayward rain delay pep talk. <laughs> the fan version uh, of the, <laughs> Of the rain delay. <laughs> the, yeah, the fan version. And it fucking worked. Uh, I think the most, honestly, the to me, the most amazing thing about that game was yeah, Chapman. Back for the ninth, throwing all off-speed pitches. Oh, Chapman getting through that ninth unscathed. Like, I did not like the trade at the time because of, obviously, some of the baggage. And I really liked Glaber as, like, uh, yeah. as a prospect. Um, I did not like that trade at the time. Uh, flags fly forever. But you know, he was a mixed bag that postseason, but how about it, that? That offseason, the, 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 he was supposed to sign with the Dodgers and didn't because he had that whole domestic issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, somehow, uh, Chapman gets a one, two, three inning throwing, uh, I don't know, 85 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it was all off speed pitches. He had nothing left in the tank. Like, he clearly had nothing left. Uh, it really did gut that out uh, for them. Harp comes on managed, the field. They managed to score two runs in the top half, which ended up being huge. Harp comes on of... the field first. What's that? The tarp comes on the field first. There's a rain delay. There's a 20-minute yeah, rain, rain delay. delay. Yeah. What are you doing during the rain delay, by the way, aside from just pacing nervously? Yeah, actually, the rain delay um, felt good. It did. It was like needed a break from what was going on. Yes, yeah. It was. I think that was the consensus for sure. Like I said, the exact same thing that happened, like for the players, like kind of like okay, fuck, they fucking blown it, but now hey, it's a new game. Right, anyone's ball game. Yeah, it's right. Doesn't matter that that this should have been a lot easier than it's been. Uh, And uh, in the back of your mind, are you thinking like the only way the Indians can? possibly win this game is a walk-off in game seven of the world series which would be the most devastating sports moment possible yeah well and that's and so that's the thing like we're in we're talking we're going back and forth like talking to all the people around us and like they're actually they're indians fans are feeling great and not even like that oh we're gonna win this game great like oh we we have a chance to like fucking steal one we're on we're like we're we feel like we're uh playing with house money here because like they they thought oh we're getting blown out in game set we we got creamed in game six we're losing five one in game right seven. who's who's blowing the series is ironically shifted yes um, right they're exactly. the ones who are choking three one yes now the Cubs are the ones choking blowing the choking five-one. it away exactly yeah it was completely and that honestly like when the game ultimately ended on the um the Bryant to Rizzo put out um I was just like I was like screaming yes like just like <laughs> hands up yelling yes and then I'm like walking around to meet my other to meet my friend on the other side because he sat literally in the first row by behind the entrance to the Cubs dugout Jesus <laughs> um like he had like literally the best seats in the house if you were a Cubs fan 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm uh, just to be clear, I was in like row nine I awesome think, behind, yeah, behind the Indians dugout. Like I had amazing seats for this game too. Uh, so, it, but he had even better. So I'm walking over to him and I'm just like screaming like, yes, yeah. Just like yelling. And people are like, just congratulating me. Like they, it wasn't like, oh, you asked, so shut up. Like it was like, it was an amazing game to have been at. Like I said, yeah, it's one of the greatest they sports lost, like they events games it. ever. What's, what's that? It's one of the greatest sporting events games ever. Yeah. And like, they were like, Hey, congrats. Like you were like saying like, congrats. Oh man, that was a hell of a game. Um, and, I don't know if I would have been that, that courteous. I'll be honest. In fact, I know I would not have been that, that nice. Uh, there's not yeah, a chance in hell I'm congratulating people after a week, I just lost game it's seven. Hard to My know, team just though. lost it, game seven. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to know after the way that, that game, like after being in that stadium for that game, or like that game had been the reverse situation at Wrigley. I don't think you know how you would have responded. I'm, I guarantee that none of those people thought going in, oh, yeah, I'm going to be congratulating Cubs fans on the way out. It's not happening. I just not. I, I, there's no. I, I would have walked out of the stadium as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I probably would have. Although I did stay when they lost. And I don't know if there was a devastating loss, but when they got swept by the Mets, we were sitting behind the Mets dugout and we like stayed in our seats as all the Mets fans were celebrating just to like be bitter. <laughs> that's become a move recently is watching the other team celebrate its motivation. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, now, since that point, I I didn't really care what happened. Like I just like the fervor that I had. Once they won, I was like, okay, great. Like if they win in 2017 when they make it back to the NLCS, that would be cool. Um, but it was it was nothing that could happen with the Cubs could be devastating to me anymore. Yeah, I don't and, feel that way. And I think that's why when we recorded this episode. That like my level of passion is so much different than it is when we talk about the Bulls or which we haven't done yet or the Bears which we have, um, and you would think oh I'd be okay with the Bulls because they for most of my life they were kind of the only thing I had going it was like the eighty five Bears obviously and then the Bulls that was like they had six of the seven titles that like the Chicago teams. Uh, had won before the the Blackhawks started, and because of the because of fucking idiot Wurtz, uh, I didn't really grow up a huge Blackhawks fan because the only way you could follow the Blackhawks was in the goddamn newspaper. Well, the Bulls uh, are the worst one for me because they I feel like they've used up all their karmic whatever, and I got to experience none of it. So that's yeah, like the worst one, for right? Me. Uh, but for whatever reason, maybe because I was younger with the Bulls, I, I do get frustrated. But the Bears are the one I think that I do get the the I feel the most angry uh, about when they do stupid shit. Um, whereas, like literally, the Cubs now, you know, obviously I wanted to see that that core. I would have loved to see them win more, but I was didn't I w- wasn't like really not even at all, not really. I wasn't upset at all that they didn't. Um, I would have liked to see those guys play with the Cubs for longer just because I really enjoyed, especially uh, Baez and Contreras. I really enjoyed watching those guys play. Um, and, you know, the fact, oh, you got to overpay them. It's like, well, okay, it's not my money. Um, I would like to see this team spend 
money because um, they've made a lot of money and they've ruined uh, the area around Wrigley Field in order to make even more money. Um, I hate the shit that that family has done around the park. They've What made the park so cool was it was just nestled. It was a ballpark nestled in a thriving real neighborhood. And what they've done now is torn all that shit down and built all the shit around it that they build. Uh, they put up when parks are put up in the middle of nowhere and they got to like, they, they have to add stuff. Like they've completely ruined that part of the Wrigley experience. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, here's all I'll say is uh, 120 on a Saturday sitting in the bleachers or a seven o'clock Thursday in the bleachers. You're, it's, you still can't beat it. You just you can't inside. Yeah, I agree. The inside is still nice, and I and yeah, I don't have any problems with like the things like the scoreboards and all that. But I really don't like what they've done to the neighborhood. Um, and so now, as a fan, um, it's really waiting for this next round of guys uh, to come up. And most of what I follow are their minor leaguers. Um, I'm much more passionate and excited. Which makes sense. You know, the team is the team that it is. Uh, I would say they're probably, what are they now, four or five games under 500? They're 20 and 26. Five or six games under. Yeah, um, yeah the worst uh, the worst May of anyone other than, the worst Major League May. The A's don't count to me as a Major League team. So. Yeah, they've they've certainly, their, their once impressive run differential is uh, <laughs> trending towards being even. Um, and they're, but they're about what we thought that they were, uh, coming in. We thought, I think we both thought that they were, uh, probably around a 75 ish win team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although uh, having, if you just looked at the raw numbers of what they've done, the war that some of their guys have, they're pitching ER, like all that you'd think that they'd be 26 and 20. Yeah. Which I mean, is even where my frustration this, comes from. Even with losing a lot of recent games in blowout fashion after you had said previously like they either win big or lose by a run which was true they're they're still sitting on a positive run differential right they're uh underperformed to their run differential but again they're about the team that we thought they were um, yeah they're still so plus me, 21 plus 21 yeah i was gonna say there i knew that they, they were down like a few games ago i looked and it was down from like 47 ish to like 26 so yeah i followed the minor leagues really closely i mean i pay attention to the team it's not like i'm not like it's not like a, it's not but it is i know that this team isn't going anywhere till this next wave of guys gets here um and we have to hope that even though the system doesn't have the kind of top end guys that it had then where you have, you know, a Bryant who's a consensus, certainly top three uh, prospect by the time he gets called up. Um, if not the, the number one prospect in baseball and, you know, Javi was a top 20 guy. Schwarber was certainly like a top 20 bat. Russell was a top 20 guy. Yeah. Russell was, and you know, and the truth is, like, obviously, Russell didn't pan out, but they got really lucky. Like, and Russell was good before he became not as good. He's an all star. Like, right. They, and really, that was kind of the problem with all of these guys was that they kind of came up, they were as good as they ever got 
in their first year or two or three. I mean, I know like Baez had a, his best year as a couple years later, but Schwarber. like Bryant was never as good again as he was in those first. That 2015 playoffs for sure was like as unbelievable as, as I've seen. I mean, him, I think until probably very, very recently, like that guy came up and you thought 2016 before he blew the knee out, the yeah. guy was going to set the world on fire. Yeah. And so Lair was awesome in the 2015 playoffs too. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of where we are, and I think uh, I think this is probably enough content <laughs> for an episode. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say about your relationship with this team? Um, no, I'm mean, listen. I, I think I still like get upset with them, and they're they're definitely growing on me, just in the sense that I still love to like, I love being in the neighborhood. I love going to Wrigley and like they're, they become more, more a part of my life as I spend summers in Chicago. Um, and so I do get upset with them. And I feel like as, you know, big market team in the city, they should be, you know, contending most years. And so my frustration is just the fact that they have all the money in the world to spend and they, you know, they're starting to do it a little bit, but they don't. Um, and so I would have liked to see that window last a little longer. Would have liked to see, you know, players that won you your first World Series in 108 years stick around and get big contracts. Um, like I still get frustration over all that. And I'm I'm definitely not of the mindset like we got the one. I'm I can I can die happy. Yeah. Again, because you were a teenager a teenager when they won that first one. Yeah. Although yeah. I do wonder if if the bears get one, if that will be my reaction. Cause I have, I mean, it's a lot of thought, but I've, I've lived toward, I've lived through a lot more torturous bears moments than I think any other of my teams. Yeah. I think you gotta be like 40 before you get to that point of, so you got another, you have another decade and a half plus, I guess. Of title seasons before I, don't I, think know if you'll I can be do with just winning one. It's my to guess, be maybe twenty-three not. years old to have already been to a double doink game and a Rogers to Cobb fourth and seven with forty seconds left in the game that decides who goes to the playoffs. Just to go to those two games alone, I feel like is is that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty it, good. Yeah. It doesn't get too much too much worse than that. Yeah, I've tried to think of like how many people um went to game six and seven we're at game six and seven of the nlcs in 2003 and, and then game six and seven of the world, world series. series in 2016 i think yeah, that's that a good question. there's not a lot of people that, that did that double um but i don't have any i don't have anything for the bears uh my best bulls thing uh i think that i was at was uh, i was at all-star saturday in 1988, the Jordan versus Dominique dunk, dunk contest. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's that's a pretty it's a pretty fair. I mean, it'd be cooler to be like one of the. I never went to like an NBA Finals game when they were in them or anything like that. I think my last big Bulls game was LeBron hitting the buzzer beater the game after D Rose did. So I've seen some tough. Oh, yeah, I've seen some tough Chicago yeah, sports yeah, that's, moments that's in a brief amount of time. <laughs> yep. All right. So that is the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. Well, what do you want to talk about next week? Should we do? Should we actually Cubs? Uh, what, what's happening with them this season? Do we want to? 
Yeah, we could do potential. Sure. I'm thinking potentially bulls, right? The Vooch trade just wrapped up. We could talk about sort of the moves that they could make. Are they going to blow it up? What what's out there for them this summer, and what will probably be a pretty interesting off season uh, for them. Oh yeah, and we could talk about the bullshit of them putting fucking Orlando's card in the Bulls envelope. Yeah, both of us thinking that they the Bulls had jumped briefly for briefly thinking and then get a generational prospect in Lebanon. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that. All right, all right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. 